Hi there, and welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast. I'm Jamie Hampton, and I am here today with Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. Dr. Sandra is a board-certified internal medicine physician, speaker, and author. She's an international wellness expert, and she's been featured all over the place in uh, Prevention, MSNBC, Women's Day, Fox, Fast Company, Psychology Today, and she has even been a guest on the Dr. Oz Show. She's the author of multiple books, including the one we're going to talk about today, which I'm really excited to discuss, called Sacred Rest, Recover Your Life, Renew Your Energy, Restore Your Sanity. Dr. Sandra, thank you for being here. Hi, thanks for having me. So before we get into it, I, uh, we always ask our, uh, our interviewees a question. What is your favorite prayer closet, the place that you like to go, whether it's traditional or totally off the wall, where you feel close to God? Well, there's a room in our home that is kind of, I call it our bonus room. It ends up being sometimes our junk room as well, but it's up near the attic area, but it's not the attic, and it has a very unusual shape to it. That's why it's the bonus room, and we don't really use it for anything else, but it has a window that over that kind of looks directly into the trees and into the heavens, and I can't tell you how many times I've looked out that window and seen a red bird kind of just perch on it. And I just love, I just love going up there because I do feel like I'm closer to God. I'm closer physically in my home as it's probably the highest peak in my home, but it's also the place I just feel more, most connected to him. I love that. And I think there's just a real, um, there's something about nature and just mm-hmm. being able to be connected to God in that way. And I think the closer we get to nature, the closer we get to God. And like, I know that you have said before, just your love for science, you're a physician, and you just, you have a love for science and for creation, and just that that draws you closer to God, and I know that I share that, and my co-host Alana shares that same just fascination with investigating God through what he's created. Yes, I've been a biology nerd for as long as I can remember, long before I ever kind of dove into medicine and the, the other sciences. I just, I've loved biology and just kind of seeing, just being amazed, honestly, at God's creation. I think my love and my interest in medicine in part had to do with that. I mean, the more you learn about the body, the harder it was for me to deny that that God or had to be in control because it's such a complex system. It is. And uh, Alana, my co-host, actually was pre-med. She had a dream of going to med school and ended up that was not God's plan, but mm-hmm. she was pre-med. And I have a background in science and just um, you're in good company. We love, we love <laughs> science around here. So, yeah. Okay. So our other question that has just kind of been a recent just for fun. Coffee or tea? Where are you on the spectrum? If in, if either, are both, you coffee? Actually, I you do are. Both. Okay, and I honestly I do both probably equally. So I I alternate between those moments when I want my decaf herbals, um, you know, decaf herbal type teas, and then I have those times when I just want a cup of coffee. So so I actually love both equally. <laughs> I know that's unusual. Usually you're one or the other, but I I do like both of them. No, and I usually you are one or the other, but and I would say I'm definitely coffee, but I love I've come to realize it's the hot beverage that I want. Yeah. It's not necessarily <laughs> the caffeine or the I love the flavor of coffee and you know, I do love coffee, but um but sometimes like I've learned as I'm 
kind of entering into a little bit of a different hormonal composition here in my 40s. I have learned that I can't drink coffee all day long, and so any hot beverage will do. And so I, I've been drinking a lot of different ones. So yes, mint herbal teas, yeah. um, decaf chai teas. All I love it. I love it all. <laughs> all right. Well, now that we got that settled, we had to get that. That's you know possibly the most important part of the whole podcast. <laughs> Not really. Um, so I wanted to start off asking you because this is sort of it's personally relevant, but it's also sort of relevant to everybody um, and to what we're talking about today. How are you doing with COVID, with the state of our nation, with this really not restful state of, of the United States, the world? There's so much going on. How are you doing and how has this affected you as a physician, as an author, as a mom? Yeah, it's really kind of brought to life. I mean, just for myself personally, it's really just kind of brought to light some specific areas that I I really hadn't thought about opening up to God because I thought they were already open. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, I have two kids that are that are teenagers, so they are in high school now. And I, at no point in time last year, had it ever crossed my mind to wonder what, you know, college would be like in two years for my 11th grader, or, you know, what it would even look like for my ninth grader to start his first year of high school. You know, that wasn't even an area that I was praying about necessarily. (laughs) I pray for them on many different areas, but as far as the day-to-day aspect of school, I just took it for granted that that's, you know, I I drop them off, they go do their thing, I pick them back up. (laughs) I really just kind of took that for granted, and I think this year has just really kind of brought to life how much of our lives we have kind of walked in in the grace of God without really recognizing how much grace was upon it. Yeah, and I think that directly pertains to some of what we're going to talk about today with the idea of rest, because I think when we're busy and on autopilot, and so for me, in so many areas, there are these things where I haven't invited God into those areas in in that, I don't know, maybe that's spiritual rest. We'll get into the different kinds of rest mm-hmm. that you talk about in your book. But I just feel like the busyness and even the things that we put on autopilot and take for granted can choke out that rest and that just kind of recognizing God's presence in the in the moment by moment. So, yeah. Absolutely. How has... Are, so you're still a practicing physician, is that right? That you're I still practice. My, most of my work now is done through telemedicine, mm-hmm. and I had already kind of backed backed away from my full time normal medical practice. Mm-hmm. Honestly, the the work and the message of sacred rest kind of God kind of did His own thing with it. And so, as you mentioned, um, I started to get a lot of, of opportunities that just didn't line up with having a full time medical practice. And so I was already, before COVID even hit, kind of doing more of a telemedicine, less of an in-person clinical practice. Um, So it was interesting to kind of see how all of that has worked out. Yeah, that really did work out for you (laughs) because that's kind of where we're at right now. And so I was curious just as far as COVID and how that would affect your work, but it sounds like you had already kind of been set up in that. And I was also going to ask, how on earth do you go into a full-time job as a physician and do everything that you're doing as a mom and as an author and a speaker? And yeah, so that's, that's really good. Um. 
so how do you think that COVID has impacted our collective ability to experience rest? It has really, I think, opened up a lot of people's eyes to how little we understand what rest is. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, before this happened, so many of us, if we, you know, we, someone had asked us, what would be your ideal situation? We would have said something on the long, the lines of, I'd love to be able to work from home. And, <laughs> you know, and now people are like, get me out of this house. You know? <laughs> so I think it's really kind of flipped things around things that we had said we would love because we thought, oh, well, that would be so much easier. And I'd be so much more rested if I, you know, didn't have to commute into work and this, that, and the other. I think people are starting to see that rest really isn't just about being at home or about the cessation of activity, having kind of prolonged time of doing nothing, that there's a component to it that we have to be very mindful of and intentional about to experience. And I think that's where it's kind of gotten to this point where many people are starting to evaluate what does rest mean to me? Because whatever it is, I'm not getting it right now in this current situation. Absolutely. And so I, well, so your book is called Sacred Rest, Recover Your Life, Renew Your Energy, Restore Your Sanity. And this topic is really personal for me. Um, Just going into a season of homeschooling three kids. um, I love what I'm doing on the podcast. I love, you know, the relationships that I have and different things, the traveling that we do to see family because we live in Alaska. So we're kind of isolated. So I love doing those things, but it's changed so many things. And, um, I have found that rest for me, well, let me say this busyness for me has, I've, I've come to realize out of all of this is a state of mind and I took your quiz. So I want you to talk about this quiz that you have, um, to determine your, what was it? It's to determine basically which areas of the seven areas of rest you're struggling with the most. And it numbers, it gives you a number. So when I took your quiz, um, and you can talk about that after this, because I really want people to know about it. Just taking the quiz was like just revolutionary. I, I, even (laughs) if I never, even if I didn't ever get the results back, the questions that you ask were so probing and so thought provoking that it really revealed as I was just answering the questions, questions I never even bothered to ask myself. Um, The one that stands out to me, well, some of the ones that stand out to me, um, but they were things about um, self-care, you know, Mm -hmm. what do you, do you, and it was, I think it was in, in worded like, you know, I don't always I don't look at self-care as something that is necessary or I view it as selfish. And, you know, I kind of knew that about myself, but when I read that, it was like, it was almost like God saying this, you need, this is a problem because it, it evoked an emotion in me when Mm -hmm. I read that kind of like a longing for myself to recognize that about myself. It was like, there's this part of me, maybe the spirit that knows truth wanting me to to recognize, yeah, you know what, self-care is not selfish. There are things that you need to do, and it doesn't have to be getting a manicure and a pedicure or getting your hair done. It could be being still with God, you know, but self-care is something you need to have on your radar. So can you tell us about, I guess first tell us about the seven 
types of rest? And then maybe we can go into the quiz a little bit and what that will reveal. Yes. Well, the seven types of rest are the physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, social, sensory, and creative. And the quiz is at restquiz.com. It's basically about maybe five minutes worth of questions that you answer. And as you stated at the end, you get the results and your email that tells you which of the seven you are most deficient in. The higher the score, the greater the level of deficiency. And, you know, really the, the quiz is very interesting. It has a lot of kind of almost like we hear about base ground, Facebook algorithms. It's a very similar type process. Is asking questions in a way that when you're answering them, you can't always specifically determine which of the seven types of rest I'm talking about. Right. Which I think is, which is really by design, because if you could quickly recognize, and there's one that you think you already excel in, you know, the tendency is to say, oh, I've got that under control, right. and to rank yourself higher in it. So it, I, the, you know, we purposely kind of crafted those so that you can't automatically determine what's being asked. And it reminds me some of uh, the scripture that says God uses the foolish things to confound the wise, because it's been very interesting because of some of the media footage that I've received. You know, I get invited sometimes to be on very large kind of health-related podcasts and, and shows. And I've, I've had one particular episode where this kind of top five health and wellness person was, took the quiz on the air and was asking questions about the questions and was like, what are you asking me here? You know, <laughs> trying to kind of understand it. And of course, I didn't right. let him know. because To understand, what are you getting at? Yeah, right. what are you getting at? Mm-hmm. And it was very funny because at the end of the results, um, that person was like, I don't understand why I have this as my highest. And as I started asking questions on the air, basically said, yeah, I do experience that. I do have that problem. And, you know, it was, it was very eye-opening. And honestly, that was, that's probably one of the most shared interviews I've done um, because it was on the air live having an expert say, wow, yeah, she just diagnosed me live on the air as having that rest deficit and it's accurate. That's neat. Could you tell us what that is if people wanted to go find it or is that, yes, are you not, yeah. um, well, no, it's, I mean, it's, it's on, it's out there. So it's out there. Okay. It's, it's bulletproof radio. So it's um, bulletproof podcast is what's the name of it. Okay. Yeah. That would be really neat. That'd be very neat to see that process because I know for me, some of the questions I was thinking, that's interesting that she would ask that. That doesn't really seem like it speaks to rest necessarily, but when I got my results, I was surprised too. So my, I actually, I could pull up mine and let you know what mine are because mm-hmm. I found it very interesting. So my highest score was mental rest. And I wouldn't have necessarily picked that one. Um, And then the second highest was emotional rest. So I had a 38 and a 37. Those were my two highest and most unhealthy. That was greater than 35 is supposed to mean that this is something that like this is disrupting your life. You need to flag this. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the others, I had some others that were in there. But I would have really thought um, sensory rest and social rest um, would have been on the list and maybe even spiritual rest, but I scored the best on spiritual rest. So (laughs) I was thinking, okay, that's a good thing. But what I'm realizing though, is that emotional and mental rest, I started thinking about that and realizing that 
I live in my head and I create, <laughs> I create mental busyness even when I'm physically totally could be relaxed. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I've really been thinking about that and praying about that and just the emotional and mental. What could you say, what would be the difference? That's the one clarifying thing that would be interesting to know, the difference between mental rest and emotional mm-hmm. rest. What, is, what are the two sides of those? Well, mental rest, as you mentioned, really has to do with your thought processes and just how you're managing information inside of your cerebral space. Mm -hmm. So if you're someone who does a lot of like mental checklist, you're always thinking about what's the next thing you want to do, or you're kind of planning in your head, calculating things in your head, trying to keep up with different information, um, sometimes even processing, just constantly processing information in your head Mm -hmm. and you have a hard time getting your thoughts to go to kind of a quiet space you lay down at night and you can't kind of shut your brain off long enough to go to sleep because it's wanting to kind of fill you in on everything it wants to discuss you know in the middle of the night when you're trying to sleep (laughs) that's kind of what a mental rest deficit looks like and then emotional rest specifically has to do with how how comfortable are you with you kind of how comfortable are you with sharing kind of your raw emotions your just the, those authentic emotions without a filter without kind of double checking to make sure it it passes everybody's i can handle this meter um it's kind of having some of those kind of dropping some of the the um protection that we sometimes put up with relationships where we don't say no when we know we should say no because we don't want to kind of offend people and get to a point where you sometimes are keeping those feelings of what you really feel kind of at bay and not just feeling the liberty of doing that. And so the, the issue with that oftentimes will have to do specifically with people who have a tendency to be seen as very nice and don't like confrontation have a tendency to have it have more of a problem specifically with emotional rest because sometimes being sometimes saying what you really feel is not easy and you know it does kind of put limits and strains up with relationships and you just have to kind of identify what are the relationships where you feel confident enough in the relationship to be able to be fully open and fully truthful and that includes having times when you know, maybe something's going on with your life where you are afraid or you're um, upset or whatever, you know, that emotion may be, having someone where you feel comfortable sharing that information with. I find a lot of leaders have uh, emotional rest deficit because Mm -hmm. they are always seen as the one to bring the, you know, who's bringing the answers. So then they don't feel like it's safe or that it's appropriate for them to be in need of anything from someone else. So, they don't have that confidant that they kind of share their lives with. Wow. So you just, I mean, I felt like, I, I felt like my life was an open book and you're reading it to me because that, that is so exactly, you know, I mean, I think if people were to describe me in one word, it would be nice, <laughs> but I know inside that I'm not nice. I'm a people pleaser. So I want people to like me. So that's how I portray myself. And yet there's all this stuff inside and I'm also very empathetic. So when I see the pain going on in the world right now, it wrenches me. I mean, I just, it wrecks me inside. And I think that has caused some emotional turmoil, but also just this whole 
not feeling like you can just get it all out there. I mean, my husband, poor guy, gets all of it. <laughs> but there are very few people that I just let it loose with. My podcast partner, Alana, and I are prayer partners, and she gets a lot. She's, she's a huge support to me and a, a big outlet for things like that where I have things that I don't feel comfortable sharing or don't feel like I can or have the mm -hmm. privilege of sharing with others because it's not just my story or it's not just my, you know, thing to share. And so I can, I can definitely have that. But what are your, so what are your top um, suggestions for people? Because I know we can't go through everyone, but for, right. for someone struggling with, with emotional issues of not re not having emotional rest or not having mental rest, um, what are some practical steps that they could take to provide that outlet? Well, with mental rest, probably the very first thing would be kind of identifying if you're someone who does the, like I say, the brain list, you're kind of running through your to-do list for the next day and brainstorming and all of that in your head, then one thing is to really take that information out of your cerebral space and put it on something else that's concrete. That could be a notepad, that could be a journal, that could be a post-it note, that's what I do. I don't, I don't like journaling, journaling stresses me out. So I prefer just to have a post-it note at the bedside, I can jot that information down. When I'm done with it, I can rip off the page, crumble it up, toss it. But what happens with the brain is when you, try, when you keep ruminating over that information and you're kind of processing it over and over again, mm. It tells the brain this is important and she doesn't want to let it go. So mm -hmm. we have to hold on to this even at the expense of her going to sleep if you're doing this at nighttime. So rather than actually being able to drift off into deeper sleep, it'll keep your, that thought circulating in your head all night long and even up to the point of disturbing your ability to sleep well. So when you put it on something like a piece of paper or in your journal, it allows the brain to then release it because it knows it's in a safe location. It doesn't have to worry about you losing that bit of information. And then for emotional rest, really it's just finding someone that you feel comfortable sharing those, those feelings and those thoughts with in an un, kind of unfiltered type way, mm -hmm. an uncensored way where you feel like there's someone that you can just tell your full truth to and they're still going to be okay with you. You know, you're still going to be able to keep functioning. Um, everybody can't be your emotional rest partner. That's, I think, the first thing them. to realize. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody can't be it. And, you know, your spouse is a part of your social rest or your emotional rest rather strategy. But, uh, I mean, sometimes it's beneficial to even think of who else do I need to include into that circle? Yeah. It can be a counselor. It can be a pastor. It can be you know, a therapist, there's lots of different ways of getting that emotional rest, particularly for leaders and people who feel like, you know, I don't feel it's appropriate to go to somebody that I'm working with and share that with them to be able to still experience it and feel like you're keeping some things um, private if necessary. Yeah, that is good advice. Have you heard about our Patreon community? Patreon provides a way for listeners like you to partner with us to reach more women with the Praying Christian Women podcast and our other prayer resources. For as little as $1 a month, you'll get exclusive access to video recordings of podcast episodes, including some early access to episodes before they've even been published. 
You'll also be able to listen to our entire archive of retired episodes of the Prevailing Prayer Podcast, where our podcasting partnership began. You'll get sneak peeks of our newest prayer resources, as well as virtual retreats and other audio and video bonuses. To find out more, head over to prayingchristianwomen.com slash partner right now and check it out. One thing that I thought of when you were talking about mental rest is one thing that I think that came to my mind when I was, after I took the quiz and was thinking about the different ways I might have mental clutter was when the house, okay, so I want to take control of the house. I want to be able to be a great home manager. I want to get my kids school set up for the year. But what I've started to realize is thinking about doing things isn't the same as doing them. And so I get on this infinite loop of thinking about, I really need to clean up the kitchen. And then I get procrastinate and do something else. And Oh man, I need to do the kitchen, right? Or I really need to set up the kids' school area. Um, or I need to get this curriculum or I need to do this or that. And, but I'll get in this rut of thinking about it, but getting consumed with other less important things where, you know, the whole analogy of the jar where, you know, put the large rocks in first and then you can sprinkle the sand (laughs) in and it'll fit. Well, I sprinkle all the sand in and then the large rocks don't fit. So I think focus and that sticky note thing could probably be a big help with that. Um, not only jotting down the things that I'm thinking about and the things that need to be done, but using that as a tool to do them and not just think because then they, it's like they just, they clutter up my brain. They, they're all floating around there and they never get done and out. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. I think for, for many people, that's where they get stuck because mm-hmm. they're having the ruminating thought. And so it's in their head is keeping them from, from getting the mental rest and then if you don't do the activity, the thought's just going to come back. And now it's just kind of this ongoing thing where you're never kind of getting to that place where you feel like the brain can just settle down and get quiet. And so writing it down, I mean, technically, I've had people say, well, can I just put it on my, my cell phone, you know, note, note section of my cell phone? I mean, that's, that, that's available to you, but it's not my recommendation necessarily before going to bed. Because you know how that is, once you open up your cell phone, now you've got all the rest of the world open to you that, you know, you may see a notification that wasn't there when you sat down before to go to bed. So I prefer that you actually kind of go old school with some type of pad and paper um, as the way of of getting that out of you. Yeah, I think that's really wise, especially if if you're prone to bunny trails anyway, I think (laughs) you got to definitely steer clear of the devices because yeah, that can, that can take you down a a path you don't want to go down. So you talked about, so you, you talk a lot about the mind, body and spirit connection and um, Alana and I have actually done a couple of episodes on this about how, because we're a prayer podcast, we talked about how our prayer lives can be deeply affected by our bodies not being healthy or not getting enough sleep or our minds being busy with other things or, you know, this whole mind-body-spirit connection. So can you talk about how that system works? That Can you talk about how that physical, mental, and our mental health affect our spiritual lives? And in particular, how our prayer lives and our spiritual lives can be hindered 
and, and, you know, if we're ultimately unhealthy in these other areas. Well, I think it's interesting kind of when you look at the mind, the body, and the spirit, oftentimes when we think about the three, we think about them as if they are equal. You know, we think about it as if, you know, we have one third body, we have one third mind, we have one third spirit, but that's not the reality. You know, out of those three, the spirit actually infuses all. And so when you're thinking about it, the spirit part of you is actually the part that has the greatest control over the mind or over the mind and the body. And so that doesn't mean that the mind and body can't affect the spirit, but it's the spiritual component that oftentimes will, if not addressed, will can keep someone who's otherwise technically mentally healthy and technically physically healthy, not well. Wow. You're not addressing the part of you that actually has the greatest amount of control. And, you know, as an internal medicine physician, I think that is the, is when it kind of clicked to me. Why is it that when I'm treating patients, I can have someone who has a very strong spiritual life who, you know, is dealing with, let's say depression. And, you know, I may have to do medicines or therapies or whatever it is, you know, that's needed to help the mind and the body. But because they have a strong spiritual life, they tend to be able to start kind of healing much faster than someone who I get the same pill and therapy who doesn't have any spiritual life. Because now I'm trying to treat a system without treating the, without actually addressing the controlling mechanism over all of it. And I think that's the part that we have to kind of get back to with really helping people. You know, it's, you can, I can, you can help someone so much in either the mind or the body, but you have to address the spiritual component of it. And so it works both ways. Uh, You know, there's times sometimes when someone will have a very strong, you know, relationship with God, but then they completely neglect their body. And then they can't actually live out the call of God on their life because they don't have a body that can keep up with their spirit. Right. And so, you know, they're, they're still blessing people, but, you know, and maybe they're able to do it in certain capacity, but not at the level they could do it if they had a healthy body on top of it, you know? And so I think they definitely all kind of work together, but the, the part that I try to make sure people are aware of is that you, you can't treat a mind and body and ignore the spirit. And that's how medicine has been set up for, for decades now, <laughs> you know, that is the framework of medicine. When I went to medical school, I remember being told, you know, don't share about spiritual beliefs with patients. Don't talk about, you know, any kind of, you know, anything that's even close to religion (laughs) or any kind of religious beliefs with anyone when you're treating them because, you know, you don't want to take advantage of that position that you're in with them to then share something that could influence them towards your religion. And what I'm finding with that is it kind of creates an atmosphere where we have physicians regularly trying to fix just a small portion of a person when without addressing the larger portion of that same individual and then expecting transformation and change to happen. It just can't. Wow. I mean, that is just, I'm still processing that because I have never heard anyone say that before. I've heard many people say, yes, mind, body, spirit, they all work together. But, I mean, and I know medically we've 
totally, like you said, strip the spiritual part out and body is what's focused on in some offices. And then you go to another office for the, for the mental health Mm -hmm. and they're different, but you know, what you're saying is very true. They're all interconnected, but I have never heard anyone Christian or not say that the spirit is a bigger part than the other two. And maybe lots of people. It is the only part that remains. Okay, it it is, and that's absolutely. Of course, that's true. (laughs) Of course, that's true. But that is that is so foundational. So to realize that, yes, if you're strong in your spirit and you got these other things happening, some people do need mental health help. Mm -hmm. Some people need physical health help. But if you need these other kinds of help, and you're you you got to start with the spirit as the foundation. And maybe I'm totally. You know, maybe this has been said many, many, many times, but it's new to me. And I really obviously believe it's the most important part because of who God is. But to to believe that that's the biggest component is important for me to understand and for all of us, I think. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, mind, body, spirit, um, kind of the, the new agey, I would say, <laughs> mm-hmm. take on that is to diminish the spirit. And I say new agey approach, because if you think about who it is that's promoting that topic of mind, body, spirit, they don't want the spirit to be more powerful, because oftentimes that is not a part of their life that they really have focused or understand. And not that any of us understand God, but you know what I mean? They're, they're wanting to kind of diminish it because, well, it's easier to understand the mind. It is easier for us to understand the body. The spirit, we don't understand, you know, in a way that we can wrap our mind around it. But mm. that, is the only, that is the strongest part. That is, what, that is what begins and that is what ends with us. When the mind and the body are gone, the spirit is the only thing that's left over. So it is the most powerful out of all of them. And so I think when we kind of look at it from a new age standpoint, that is the, the lie that we have been fed in that mind-body-spirit movement is that we're one-third mind, one-third body, one-third spirit. And that is just not biblical. Well, and there's also a trend toward if you, you know, it's like kind of the the name it and claim it or the, if your mind, you know, being able to manifest things through your thoughts and that your mind is all-powerful while ignoring the spirit or combining mind and spirit. Oh, yeah, you are, your mind is your spirit, you know, that kind of idea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, just, I think, focusing on the power of the human brain and equating that with who you are. And, you know, we, we know, I, what, what comes to mind is knowledge puffs up, love builds up. And mm. knowledge is great. You know, like I said, science is great. I love learning. I love learning yeah. about God's world. I don't think we're at war with science. We're not at war with knowledge. God gave us a brain. But when we take that knowledge and use it to focus only on that, I think maybe that spirit side atrophies. Or we get to the point where we have so much knowledge, like what I'm seeing, even in myself that I'm struggling with, is just you get you feel like, I know that this thing is true. And when I see other people that don't see that, it frustrates me and then I get angry or someone says something to the opposite to me and then that love isn't there. And so mm-hmm. it's that love that we need to cultivate and in that spiritual component, I think that God needs to undergird all of it to, to launch us 
in our knowledge with that foundation of love, to not launch us in our, you know, body and what our body does, offering our bodies as living sacrifices from the foundation of that love. And man, that's powerful. That's very neat. I'm, I'm going to like re-listen to this so I can hear you say it all <laughs> over again, but that's really neat. Um, so one thing that, uh, one thing that you said that one way that we can rest our minds is through meditation. When you were talking about that mental rest, mm-hmm. um, in one of your interviews that I was listening to, you were saying meditation is a way that we can do that. And so I was thinking, well, you know, the Christian version of meditation, you would just say prayer. But then it occurred to me, there's some prayer that's exhausting. And there's some prayer that's not meditation. You know, prayer and meditation is kind of, the Bible talks about prayer and meditation. So what would you say is the kind of prayer that, that that is considered meditative prayer that could rest your soul and rest your, you know, bring rest to you mm-hmm. mentally or spiritually or emotionally? Well, the type that I describe within the book is specifically meditating on a characteristic of who God is. Hmm. You know, oftentimes when we get anxious or we get worried or stressed about something or discouraged even, you know, we start kind of we kind of let our minds go through all the negative, mm-hmm. all the things that could happen, all the times that maybe God didn't show up at the time we wanted him to show up or in the way we wanted him to show up. Mm-hmm. So we, we kind of let our thoughts kind of just run into that negative direction. And so the type of meditation is meditating on who God is, meditating on those characteristics of God that kind of fight back, so to speak, against whatever that negative thought process is. And usually I recommend picking one word, not even a whole scripture, just one word characteristic of God. And that could be compassion, that could be, um, that could be faithful, that could be love, that could be sovereign. I mean, the word really should kind of line up with whatever it is that's kind of trying to war with your peace. And mm-hmm. so rather than trying to kind of get your mind wrapped around something that's difficult, just start focusing your thoughts back to whatever that specific characteristic of God that your mind's trying to tell you doesn't exist or that isn't big enough to handle that problem. And it's really just kind of taking your, your thoughts under, back into obedience, kind of mm-hmm. getting them back under control, because the mind kind of works like an unruly child. It wants to kind of that negative path um, much quicker than it wants to run down a faith-filled, hopeful type path. And so you have to train the brain to kind of refocus and to go back to those things that are true, that are, that are lining up with the Word of God. Yeah. I mean, you know, the Bible says take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. And sometimes I think of it as beating it into submission to Christ. (laughs) They are just, it's, it's, yeah, very unruly and it's difficult. But I love that idea of training ourselves because that's so what it is. You know, we have to, especially in today's society where everything is instant, everything is instant gratification, instant access, I think we need to train our minds to be still. And sometimes it ta- it's like that toddler that you're trying to train to sit in the chair and eat their food. You know, sometimes you have to pick them up and set them back in. And there's a quote that I'm going to butcher, but it talks about how um, even if, and I'm, I'll, I'll try to get the quote in the show notes so that it's right, but basically even if I spent, like if I take an hour in God's presence 
and I just, I wander away. My mind wanders the whole time. It was an hour well spent because it was an hour of refocusing myself again and again into the presence of God. It's like spiritual exercise, you know, it's like exercising our prayer muscles or our spiritual muscles um, to just practice that being in God's presence. And I think it gets easier as it goes along. But um, I wanted you to talk one also about, so what, how would you define spiritual rest? Because that's one of the things and that that's one of the seven. And mm-hmm. we didn't really touch on that. We touched on mental and emotional. But so how would spiritual rest be defined by you? Well, spiritual rest is the rest that we experience just in, when we focus on our relationship with God, that intimacy part of relationship, mm-hmm. um, th- being in his presence. And I always like to kind of differentiate it from kind of the time we spend with God when we have questions or when we're, you know, praying for a response or for a revelation about something. Mm-hmm. Um, it's different than our even our devotional times when we're studying the word or, um kind of reading scripture specifically. It's it's without agenda, without a specific reason why you're in his presence, other than the fact that you just want to spend time with him. And I find that it's kind of interesting because I, I oftentimes will see that a lot of people who spend a lot of time doing godly things hmm. don't do a lot of spiritual rest. Oh, so yeah. they're in God's presence because they are pastors or leaders who are going to God on behalf of their flock to get a word, you know, a a word in due season, a message for that Sunday. And that's needed. That's a part of what their call is. But then they get burned out within that. And we've seen it. We've seen multiple times when, you know, pastors who are, who are blessing the world, and then we'll see that they've committed suicide. And I see this not just with pastors, with, with every type of profession you can imagine. I've, you know, I've seen it and witnessed it. And oftentimes that's part of it because these types of rest actually protect us from getting to that level of, you know, emotional and um, kind of just our own personal spiritual burnout and depletion, just focusing on how to be poured back into the places where we're constantly pouring out. And so you have to be mindful of that, that just because you know God well, you know, as far as his word and the scripture does not mean that you are necessarily in an intimate relationship with him. And that's what spiritual rest is. It's that relationship. Some of us just need to spend time without our Bibles because we know the Bible well. We know how to pray. We can bring down heaven. We just need to know how to lay on the chest of Jesus and mm-hmm. just stay there long enough to all we hear is his heartbeat. All we can, all we feel are his arms around us. That the Holy Spirit becomes not just a third part of the Trinity, but a companion, someone that you understand is present and that you can, that you can kind of tangibly experience on a day-to-day basis. Amen. Oh, that's good. I think I remember you saying, I think it might've been on the Jamie Ivey show, um, uh, Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey. You did an interview with her and I think you said something to the effect of you used to view rest as something kind of like lazy or something that you just kind of did, but you view it as like a weapon now. Is that, did yes. you say, can yes. you I expound on rest that? was for weak people. Yes. <laughs> That's where I entered this whole process. To mm-hmm. me, it's like, you know, those weak people need to go rest because those of us who can get it done are getting it done. 
And, you know, that's how my mindset was through my teens, through my 20s, and it was in my 30s that I burned out. And so, you know, when I burned out, it's like, okay, yeah, I'm getting it done, but there's no joy in getting this done. Yeah. I'm not happy in getting this done. There's no peace in getting this done. You know, I was checking off all my to-do lists. I mean, honestly, everything that I had said I wanted as far as my personal goals, I was living in at the time I burned out. And it was like, you know, God, this is everything that I prayed for. Yeah. In your grace, you have given it to me. And now I'm sitting here in the middle of it thinking, who wants to live like this? <laughs> because I was miserable, mm. just completely exhausted mind, body, and spirit. And, you know, it was then that I started to see really just how much, you know, how much the enemy had used that kind of part of my personality, the part that likes to get stuff done, the productive part of me, had kind of used it almost against me. Be, and, and really I allowed an opportunity or a place for him to come in and to attack because I never had really thought about my rest as being part of how I trust God. I'd always thought rest was just, you know, the, the stuff people do just because they're tired, not because it really shows where they're at in their, their own spiritual maturity not because it's really a reflection of how deeply they're able or how well they're able to release things to God and not feel like everything is dependent on them. Cause that's where I was at. If there was a blessing to be had, I, it had to come from the work of my hand and the sweat of my brow. You know, God was welcome to kind of, kind of breathe his yes upon it, but I was going to be grinding out the majority of it, waiting on him to breathe that yes upon it. Yeah. And it took a while to get to that, to get to the point where I was like, God, if it happens, thank you. If it doesn't happen, thank you. But I've got to stop. I've got to trust you that when you say that I need to take rest, that I need to be able to trust you to say no when someone asks me to go speak at an event and, you know, and I know I don't really have the, the bandwidth to do, to do that. Mm -hmm. To say no when someone asks me to go, you know, volunteer at my school's kid's school to do something and I know that I would just be saying it because I want to people please and I don't want them to be mad at me or think I'm a bad mom, but I know I, that's not for me. I know that, I, that what you would have me say in this moment is a truthful no instead of re a reluctant yes. And so, you know, it was, it was a long journey. And when I started practicing rest, it was warfare because everything came against my rest. Oh, I, would yeah. say, I even talk about it in the book. I could think I kind of use it. Give an example of someone else, but I give an example of, you know, someone wanting to set aside a day for rest. And, you know, the second you drop the kids off, someone asks, hey, would you mind helping with me with this? And you're like, sure. And you, the words are out your mouth before your head's even saying like, what are you talking about? We have the day set aside for, you know, this, that, and the other. And then you're thinking, oh, well, okay, well, I'll still have the rest of the day. And then before you know it, your entire day has been ate up with yeses and doing things you really didn't want to do. Your priority didn't line up with your priorities. And that was my life. That's how I spent most of my life. And so, you know, the warfare was in seeing that when I set up these kind of priorities, today I'm going to spend time with God in his word or whatever it is that I was planning on doing, that I have to see that as something I need to war for and not just let it go you know, at the first time somebody asked me to do something else. And that is so, I mean, I think that's such a common 
thing. And I don't know if it's um, especially for women that we have this uh, desire to give or this like feel the obligation to give. I think both. I mean, we want to give, we, but, but especially as a people pleaser, I know mm-hmm. I struggle with that, with just feeling like I'm on God's side if I say yes and I'm not being a good Christian or not being a good friend or not being a good mom if I say no. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw this really funny thing today, actually. Um, uh, it was about the, it was someone rewrote The Giving Tree, um, the book called The Giving Tree. Mm-hmm. And it was called The Giving Tree with Boundaries. And it was talking about <laughs> The Giving Tree was like, what are you talking about? No, I can't build you a house or I'm not going to have any wood left for your children to enjoy <laughs> winging on my branches. And, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but it's that idea that when we bow down, it's like Paul, you know, when he talks about, I'm not pleasing people, I'm pleasing God. I'm If I were still at the beck and call of everybody, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. And mm-hmm. and Jesus modeled boundaries also, you know? And so I'm struggling with that. I think it's a struggle for a lot of people, a lot of women and men alike. And um, yeah, all of this is very important, I think, to take into, just take it all in and, and try and ask God, just go into it saying, God, where, where am I lacking rest? And that your quiz though is, I think that's a great tool to begin that journey because that's kind of where I began was I got my results and I thought, Lord, where am I? So what does this look like in my life? And it was a great mm-hmm. launch pad for me to be able to do that. Yeah. Well, that's, that's kind of the purpose of it. You know, the, the book's really interesting when in writing it because I, as a physician and one who's kind of just really into research and the science part of things, mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure that I touch on that because I feel like you know, there's lots of great books out there from Christian authors on rest. I mean, I can name 10 of them right now. <laughs> lots of great books out there on rest. And, you know, the thing was, I wanted to kind of share what God had shown me as a physician, mm-hmm. specifically someone who who is, uh, you know, very critical thinking, but also a believer, also really, you know, deeply believes in the spiritual component of it, and don't feel like the spiritual and the science have to be at, at combating against each other. That actually, that when we kind of take a look at both together, we can get a, a more clear view of what we need to do, you know, to help our mind, bodies, and spirit, to kind of have them all working together so that we can see a wholeness picture within our own lives. That's great. So yeah, now all you got to do guys is just get the book and take the quiz (laughs) because it is amazing. So where can listeners find you online? Find your, well, you first tell us again where to find the quiz and then where to find you and, and your books online. Yes. Well, the quiz is real simple. It's just restquiz.com. Okay. And my main website is I choose my best And from there, they can, you know, learn about all of my books and there's a lot of free resources and things that they can check out. Great. Well, thank you so much. And what about social media? Where do you show up? Where do you like to be? Um, Facebook is probably the place where I do the most or spend most of the time. And it's just Dr. Sondra Dalton Smith um, is the page. And then I'm at Dr. Dalton Smith at Twitter and um, Instagram. All right. Well, we always like to close by praying. So how can we be praying for you today? 
Um, probably just about this upcoming school year. This has just been very interesting. And like I said, it's my first year with two high schoolers. Mm-hmm. And we start that we start tomorrow, actually. So wow. Um, so I would love prayer for that. My sons are Bobby, or my sons are Tristan and Isaiah. My husband's Bobby. Um, but my sons are Tristan and Isaiah. And that is where my prayer focus has been over the past week. Um, just that their hearts will be um ready that there'll be light kind of going back into the school and that they mm-hmm. will keep their focus on Jesus as they continue to move forward. Yeah. So are they, how are you doing things where you guys are? Are they going into the school or are they doing everything virtual or is it a combination or are you back to no, school? No, um, right now we're going back to school, back, back to school, to school so, back to school. So the, they're starting off this week. It's just kind of a, a slow um, introduction back in. So they're having like half right. days, alternating days on who goes in. Right. And then um, next week, they're back to kind of a regular schedule. And so they're kind of slowly integrating them back into the school so they can all learn the kind of the new rules. Yeah. Well, we will definitely be praying for that. Let me pray for you. But thank you so much, Dr. Sandra. This has been really fun. I appreciate you coming on the show and talking to us. Thank you. It's been a blessing. God, we just thank you for this time. Lord, I just, I feel a spirit of rest just talking about rest. And I just, I pray for each person listening right now and for myself and Dr. Sandra that you would just, um, just lead us from this point on, just continue to lead us in a path of rest for our bodies, minds, and spirits. Thank you, Lord, that we are not, uh, that we're not left to figure things out on our own, that we have your word to help us, um, to feed our spirits. Thank you for making our spirits such a huge part of who we are and just the knowledge that that our spirit drives us. Um, We just pray that you would give us wisdom as we we journey in, in the weeks and the months ahead, especially in the fall with school and all the different things going on and just help us to to walk in that spirit of rest. Um, thank you for Dr. Sandra for her message, just for her wisdom, for her insights. And we just pray that you'll take those and just help us to just ruminate on those as we go along and um, just to glean your truths from that. Help it to draw us closer to you and help us to be better in our spiritual lives and draw closer to you in our prayer lives through it. We lift up Dr. Sandra to you and her boys, Tristan and Isaiah, and just ask that you would go before them in this next, this new school year where everything is different and everything seems to be kind of up in the air for everyone. God, we just pray you would pave the way for them. Lord, there are no surprises for you. And we just pray that you would help them to um, just be excited about the year ahead of them. We pray that you would prepare them for what they need to do and the different feel of things at school and the different ways that they're going to have to go about things, but that that they would have a great experience, um, that they would be open to learning. We just pray that you would um, provide them with great friendships and um, just amazing teachers this year. And we pray for Dr. Sandra that you would just give her everything that she needs to shepherd them and to guide them through this school year. We just pray for her ministry, for her work, that you would bless it in abundance and that you would just uh, open doors for her, God, for her word, her message to go out to more people than she could imagine and just bless people and influence them for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. 
Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Praying Christian Women podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a comment to let us know what questions or topics we can address in future shows. Then hop over to prayingchristianwomen.com slash journal to download your free prayer guide. We're so glad you joined us for today's show, and we wish you God's deepest blessings as you draw closer to Him and change the world 